137th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 71. <laughs> I think it's the same thing every time. I say welcome to the episode, and then you give me a three-quarter hearted whoop. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, I mean, this is Halloween. This is Halloween. Right? Hell yeah, Halloween, it is. Halloween. And on this, uh, this episode, it's just like old times. It's just Presto and I in the car because Steve-O is uh, continuing his move from his old place to his new place. Well, rather, actually, his girlfriend. They're uh, they're moving her stuff in, and it's been a busy day. And so Presto and I said, you take the night off, and we will take over. I just thought it was because he had bad gas, so we just kicked him out of the car for a day. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, um, when we were at the movies earlier tonight, we had a really nice comment. Um, We were talking to uh, Leslie and John, some longtime listeners, and she made the comment that they were on a road trip uh, recently from Wichita all the way to Oklahoma. And she's like, you know, we really hate car rides, and we just turned you guys on when we left Wichita and just caught up on some backlog and listened all the way there. And she's like, it made the car ride so much more enjoyable. And before we knew it, we were already at our destination, and we just got lost in listening to you guys. So um, just a big shout-out to John and Leslie, and thank you for those kind words. And we're happy that you guys uh, were able to get through that car ride. I hate car rides if it's longer than like 30 minutes <laughs> <laughs> but yeah she made the comment about going to dallas before uh, listening to us and uh it's awesome you know we always make the joke about this being a car ride and the paranormal highway and all of that and that just kind of that just adds to the lore even more if you guys are you know digging this while you're driving so yeah. thank you and thank you for listening and thank you for you know being there since the beginning and uh, we greatly appreciate it. But yeah, like you said a second ago, man, it is that time of year again, Halloween, and it's the special time of year where for just one day, one day only, we can dress up gorge on candy and just be somebody or something else if just for one day unless you're you know over the age of 21 and you have like eight different costume parties to go to then you're probably somebody else a lot but yeah or you're like me who who don't doesn't go to halloween parties because i'm like ebenezer scrooge so yeah that's very very true um, Mindy just messaged me a little bit ago and I'll have to send you the message. Um, she sent me some videos from a Halloween party a few years ago. Uh, it might've been last year or the year before when she came over to Eric's and we all got together and played mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. uh, that game where you put the spacers in your mouth and try to speak. That I broke like two of three. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. <laughs> so I might post that. Uh, I might post that sometime to the pages web, uh, Facebook that might be kind of fun for people to watch or it might be terrifying but this time of year is also known for something else perhaps uh, just a little more important than getting drunk or eating too much candy and as the sky begins to darken this time of year and the leaves begin to change color and they start to fall and the wind begins to develop that sharper chill in the air 
The veil that separates our living dimension from the realm of the unknown begins to grow a little bit thinner, and perhaps the two worlds grow a little bit closer, and we're once again reminded that maybe we are just not quite as alone on this planet as we thought we once were. And with that, you know, this is going to come out a week before Halloween because, well, that's our regular scheduled program and two-thirds of us are going to be in Kentucky and we don't have time to do an actual Halloween episode on Halloween. So we're giving it to you a week early. Um, But yeah, we just want to give you something to kind of chill your bones, give you a little spook as the Halloween season looms ever more closely. And I think instead of the news, we're just going to jump right into the first story because I think it's important to give you guys this information now more than ever because the first story is a little bit of a PSA for all the fellas out there. Because according to a 15th century survival guide to detecting and destroying witchcraft, guys, witches are capable of casting spells so devious and maniacal they could actually make your penises disappear. (laughs) 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 You were just sitting on that, weren't you? I was. (laughs) You and your bag of tricks behind that muted microphone. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome, man. Yeah, so since the beginning of time, men have always been continuously worried irrationally about things that will threaten their penises. And long before there was castration anxiety, there was something far more sinister being muttered and rumored about. The myth of a phallus-stealing witch or witch's spell. Ooh. (laughs) In an ancient text called the Malus... Maleficarum, many crimes that were said to be done by witches were heavily centered around sexuality, primarily female sexuality. Women who were said to be aroused easily or often were said to be guilty of copulation with incubus devils responsible for notions of abortions. They could cause sterility and stillbirths among couples And ladies were even known for interrupting sexual relations between husbands and wives by causing men to condone an extra marital affairs. Because back then, especially, if a guy was out chasing a side piece, it wasn't because he was just a piece of shit horn dog. It was because some little floozy was, you know, trotting around, probably a witch, and she just cast a spell on him and made him, uh, you know, stick it somewhere else. Anyway. Uh, yep. <laughs> so we were pretty much told that um, women weren't our equals back then because we had to beat ladies down into submission. And so men banded together and convinced everybody, all the male companions, that they ought to treat ladies like a lesser sex. But with that shitty treatment, we developed an anxiety of our own terrible actions because we knew treating people badly, even though there were ladies back then, A lot of people knew that was still pretty wrong, but, you know, you did it anyway because, God forbid, you were seen as a lesser man. So you kind of, you know, pretty much treated your wife, your girlfriend or your siblings like pieces of crap. So with those shitty actions came shitty ramifications in the form of anxiety 
most notably an anxiety that came in the fashion of the general fear of women becoming witches. Because when ladies acted out, we just kind of swept that under the rug and assumed that they were being a little witchy. So the fear quickly turns into the notion that women who were witches could take revenge on our most beloved item in our possession, our dicks. And so it was said that witches were thought to have various magic dick-ruining capabilities, the most sinister of which is the ability to make your dick disappear. So according to the Malleus Maleficarum, there are three specific cases noted in this tome about studies in which witches were said to have magically deprived men of their penises. The first two cases are pretty simple, and they just involve two separate men, two separate cases, having their dicks literally disappear. No way. (laughs) (laughs) So basically what happened is these guys treated some ladies like crap, and reportedly their dicks vanished. And they didn't quite despoil the human bodies of their penises, but instead they concealed them with a glamouring spell, making the men unable to see their own penises. So that is pretty shitty. Basically, you just have to run back and apologize to the witch who casted the spell. She could snap her finger and bada boom, bada bing. You no longer look down at the crotch of a kin doll, but instead, you know, at your member. I'm sorry, ma'am. I didn't mean to tell you to get into the kitchen and make myself a sandwich. Please give me my dick back. (laughs) The third account, though, is the one that really got my attention because the headline of this this passage was called Witches Make Dick Pets in the 15th Century. So the third story notoriously mentions the phenomenon of witches keeping disembodied penises as pets and feeding them oats and various <laughs> grains while they house them in abandoned bird nests. That's right, folks. It was said that if you pissed off a witch so severely, she could cast a spell in the middle of the night, pop your dick off like it was just a suction cup on a window, and throw it into her bag. She could then take your dick and somewhere between 20 and 30 other phalluses and dump them into bird nests and feed them oats and wild grains while they just kind of squirmed around like some sort of half-flaccid boner worm. (laughs) 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 And here's the actual uh, quoted text from this, uh, this article. Actually, it's from the uh, the actual uh, the 15th century book. My apologies. What shall we think about these witches who somehow take members in large numbers, 20, 30 even, and shut them up together in a bird's nest or some box where they move about like living members, eating oats and other feed? This has been seen by many and is a matter of common talk. It is said that it is all done by the devil's work and illusion for the senses of those who see the penises are deluded in the way we have said. So yeah, pretty serious shit. Dicks are getting kidnapped. Guys, we're being dicknapped. Damn. <laughs> so, We've been Lorena debobited. <laughs> right. Maybe she was a witch. Aww. So let's answer the most important question, though, Preston. 
When your dick gets cut off in the middle of the night by some Lorena Bobbitt witches and tossed into a bird's nest, how in the sweet, sweet fuck do you get your dick back? Climb in that bird's nest and grab it. There you go. We got to get our boners back. So here is how one man took it upon himself and quested to get his missing member back. By his account, the poor castrated fellow approached the certain witch who had stole his dick, the dick witch, and, and she instructed him, you know, basically, if you want to get your member back, you have to climb a particular tree where there's a special nest containing many members of men who dabbled in dastardly deeds. And once you climb atop the tree, you can have your choosing of any of the phalluses in the nest. So that means dick trees, y'all. <laughs> if you want to get your dick back, you just got to find the one who took it and ask her where her magical phallus flora is and climb to the top and pick any dick you want. <laughs> nope. Nope. Man, this one's got a nice yeah. weight to it. I'm going to hold this one for a second. Nope. It's Ooh, got a pretty this good one. balance. Like yeah. you're picking out a sword. <laughs> this one's kind of crooked. Nope. <laughs> so gonad-bearing flora were not uncommon in the Middle Ages. Back in 2010, there was an article published by the Journal of Sexual Medicine, and a guy named John J. Madelier, who was a historian, states that between the end of the 13th century and early 16th century, the phallus tree was quite a phenomenon. Penis trees flourished throughout Europe, according to his research. A 14th century French manuscript contains two images of nuns harvesting penises from trees and tucking them into their robes. A wood carving from the early 15th century, currently kept at a museum in Germany, depicts a woman casually plucking penises while her lover pursues a vulva tree. And a decorative badge found in the Netherlands shows a couple making love under a phallus tree, possibly being watched by a witch as a voyeur. Back in 2000, archaeologists uncovered a particularly impressive penis tree specimen, a massive mural from the 13th century located in Tuscany. It depicted a tree covered in male sex organs, so indeed a dick tree, all of which were disproportionately large and clearly in various aroused states. By the noble plant's roots standing there were eight women, two who appear to be fighting over a penis, and one of them is trying to knock one off a branch using a stick. <laughs> it's fucking dick pinatas. <laughs> Beside them is another woman who appears to be mostly uninvolved, but who upon closer inspection has one of the fruits of the tree protruding from her bottom. (laughs) 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 Directors of art have argued that the mural constitutes the earliest depiction in art of women acting as witches. Basic Tuscan folklore about women who keep penises captive in nests. And so there you go, guys. One week away from Halloween, and we've got a fair warning. Don't piss off any witches and you won't be pissing out of a bird's nest. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that went over a hell of a lot more uh, cohesively than the first attempt. <laughs> we tried to record this uh, yesterday, and it just was not flowing, and I don't know what it was, but I just began to panic and said, let's just stop recording and let's regroup. 
And here we are, re-recording just a day before I have to cut this thing together and give it to Mark to post. And I was panicking overdrive whenever I realized I didn't need to talk about anything I had planned before because a really interesting story fell into my lap, serendipitously, Preston. And uh, I'm going to cut all that other stuff we talked about, you know, the the weird nature stuff I was going to do. And I think this is going to make a really good intro to your group of stories and make for a much better creepy episode. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, boy. So first things first, I'll go ahead and, and I'll tell you mine first, and that'll lead into yours if that's cool with you. Yeah, that works. Cool. So we got to give the usual, you know, disclaimer. Um, I'm not poking fun. We are not poking fun at the disease I'm about to mention. Um, so please just know that. Um, a lot of times when we deal in sadness and grief, I especially, and presto, maybe you can relate. Um, I hide behind humor and sarcasm as a defense mechanism. And um, it's both because it's a coping device and also because in moments of sadness and hardship, I like to make pe- people laugh. And I think it helps ease their stress and certainly makes things a little less awkward. So the story I'm about to tell is not just meant to spook you all, but actually maybe open your eyes a little bit about um, a specific side effect of a disease that you may not know about. I sure as hell had no idea. So anyway, here we go. Um, There is a woman I know. I call her an acquaintance. I wouldn't call her a friend necessarily because um, I only see her from time to time. We never go to lunch or anything else, but call her a friend, call her an acquaintance, what have you. Um, this special woman, she's a little bit older. She's probably 65, 70, somewhere in there. And we were chatting, as we do about biweekly or so, and I, I ran into her, and we were finishing up our conversation. And I noticed she was a little tired and kind of worn out. And so um, she stood up from where we were sitting, having our chat, and she made the comment that uh, she was going to go home, grab a blanket, and just relax in her uh, recliner and try to get a nap in because she was exhausted from the night before. And I said, yeah, you know, it sounds like about nap 30 to me. And, you know, I can kind of, I kind of hear you there. I'm a little tired myself. And she made the comment that seemed kind of innocent at first. And she's like, well, I had company last night and they just wouldn't leave. And I said, oh, you know, I've, I've been there before. I've had friends over for dinner or to watch a movie and the conversation gets rich. And next thing you know, it's like midnight and they just can't quite get a hint that maybe it's time to go. I've, I've been in that position myself where I just didn't want to leave. I was having a good time. And she kind of looked at me funnily um, and she's like, well, it wasn't really that kind of company that I had last night. And she's like, but these people just wouldn't leave. And I looked at her and I kind of got this wry grin because I thought, oh, I'm in for one hell of a ghost story. And I said, okay, well, you know, I'm sorry to hear about that. You don't have to go into it if you don't want to. And she says, no, I I do. I just don't want you to think I'm crazy. I said, hey, you know, lay it on me because I, for one, am a person who will believe or at least listen and humor just about anything. And so she's like, well, okay. Last night I lay down on my chair. I started watching TV. And at about midnight, I noticed a man sitting on the couch beside me. And I looked at her kind of funnily, and she's like, yeah, there's a guy just sitting there on my couch. And I said, oh, crap. And she's like, this was a ghost, but the ghost doesn't haunt my house. It haunts my brain. And I looked at her kind of funnily, and she says, yeah, every night. 
when I'm trying to go to bed, one or two or three people will randomly show up in my house, sit in my chairs, at my dining room table, and on my couch. They won't say a word. They just sit there and stare off into space or walk around the house and just do, you know, random little things. And I started to get kind of creeped out because I'm like, classic ghost encounter. And she said, it's just a byproduct of Parkinson's disease. Really? Yeah. I was floored. Which is really odd um, because, you know, my grandmother has or died from um, complications with uh, Parkinson's. Yeah. So that's something that runs in uh, our family. And ever since, you know, I was little, I've always experienced like, you know, sleep paralysis and shadow people and things like that. Sure, yeah. So, man, maybe there's something to that. It it was really bizarre. And I thought the story was done and over with. And I just said my usual because I forgot. she. I knew she had Parkinson's, but it's not always apparent. She's not always shaking with tremors or having a hard time getting up. But she just kind of looked at me and she's like, yeah. And I was like, that's terrifying, truly terrifying. I said, I thought you were going to tell me a legitimate ghost story, which I would completely have, you know, listened to you and and taken it, you know, pretty serious. And she's like, no, it's, they're ghosts, but they're ghosts in my in my brain. And she went on to tell me how she'll be laying in bed and look in the hallway and see a dog run through her house. And she's like, I only have one dog. It's a little lap dog. And I've seen great big, like, Labradors and sheep dogs and everything else just trolling through my house. Um, she said it's not unusual to see cats going through her living room. She has no cats. And sometimes to even see horses, full-grown horses, walking in her kitchen. And she says what is truly terrifying is she is deathly afraid of snakes. She's gone into her bedroom at night to lay down when she's really, really worn out. Pull the blankets back. Boom. Bed full of snakes. And she said what is truly terrifying about this is two things can occur. One, you can't get rid of the apparitions. You just have to basically put up with them and hopefully just fall asleep. Or two, you actually can interact with them, actually think that you can feel them. And I got kind of weirded out, and I just I said, okay, go on. And she says, well, for instance, the gentleman last night who laid on the couch, who was sitting on the couch, I finally stood up and said, okay, it's time for bed. I got to go to bed. And he laid down on the couch, and she said, you get so caught up in this mania, for lack of better you believe the person's there and you feel sympathy for them. And so she said he laid down on the couch and I got an Afghan. That's a blanket for some of you younger folks <laughs> off the back of the couch. And I lay, I put a blanket on him. I tucked him in, turned the light off and went to bed. And she's like, you get so wrapped up in the idea of people being there. You can't fight your own brain. So you believe there's legitimately a person or an animal in your own home. But do do you think that this person has this opinion of, you know, like they're just ghosts in my brain due to social conditions? Like, you know, she's grown up in uh, 
like maybe like a religious background or maybe just like her, you know, her family situation where she's been bred to kind of not believe in those things. So because maybe like Parkinson's does have something to do with it, maybe that's like one of those diseases where it switches a light on in your head. And those things really are there, but because of how she's been programmed society wise, uh-huh. that she's just like, ah, it's just, they're ghosts in my head. They're not real, but they, they really are there. Like there really was a, like a ghost man there who was like, shit, let's fucking talk this shit up. Tuck me in mom. <laughs> right. I don't know. Um, what I can tell you giving her some anonymity and all is she's very sharp. She's not like dementia or Alzheimer's that, you know, I can tell looking at her. I'm no expert. Um, right. She's smart. She's funny. She's down to earth. She's very relaxed, very open minded about everything. And I just said, that's that's really scary. Um, how do you deal with it? I mean, she's like, well, for instance, I woke up this morning, walked in the living room. And then she's like, there's the blanket just kind of laying there on the couch where I laid it over this fella. But she's like, it's not disturbed. It's not moved. It's not been laid on. And then she's like, as soon as I see it, I'm like, oh, shit. You know, again, I had another one of these hallucinations. And she said she's looked it up. And it's a it's a fairly common side effect to Parkinson's. And she hmm. said, what's scary is if you want to talk about, you know, Alzheimer's or dementia, she's like, there's been nights where I've been scared because one of these guys or one of these people just shows up in my kitchen. I've grabbed a baseball bat and barged into my own kitchen swinging a bat trying to get them out of there. And she's like, sometimes the bat goes through them. Sometimes I think I'm hitting somebody. But she made the comment, what happens one day, like if somebody comes over to my house and I don't realize they came inside and I see them and I think they're one of these hallucinations, so I just run over and attack them. She's like, yeah. legitimately, I could, you could kill somebody. <clears throat> you yeah. know, she's, she's come across like random snakes in her house and then she's taken whatever is close to her, a bat or whatever, and just started like just swinging and swatting at these things. And she said, sometimes you, you know, you hit them and they kind of just disappear and you realize there's nothing there. But she's just like, yeah, basically um, I have ghosts inside my brain and I have to live with them. There's no way to get rid of them. And I was just fucking left speechless, man. And I looked up a little bit of it and I won't go into the science of it here, but it has to do with like the dopamine in your brain. Mm -hmm. And, um, I know they use dopamine drugs to help cure or treat Parkinson's, not cure, treat Parkinson's disease. Mm-hmm. And so this article here says, side effect of dopamine therapy. Although an exact casual relationship has not been established, some believe that this condition may be a side effect of dopaminergic, dopaminergic therapy, dopamine drugs. Uh, and these dopamine therapy sessions or treatment, sorry, increased dopamine levels, helping improve motor symptoms in patients with Parkinson's disease. However, it increases dopamine levels that can cause chemical imbalances and physical changes to the brain that inadvertently lead to symptoms such as hallucinations or delusions. Hmm. So it it just, it really, really kind of like, it left me speechless and it left me feeling very sympathetic for this woman because I, you know, the way I think about, you know, I'm always thinking about, you know, ghost stories and stuff like that. Uh, not always. That makes me sound like a crazy person. But I mean, it just made me think of like a modern day ghost story, you know, like a modern day haunting kind of thing that has a legitimate um, scientific way to prove what's going on. 
And of course, it got me thinking about different things and different apparitions that people see and different, you know, hauntings that we have. And, you know, a common way to explain that has always been, you know, dopamine levels and chemical imbalances and hallucinations and shit like that. But yeah, anyway, it just, it really got me thinking. And if you guys feel free, look it up, look up um, Parkinson's hallucinations. It's pretty fascinating. And I didn't have the heart to go down like that dark tunnel and like, you know, look into the cases of murder and shit like that. I just didn't want to, but I don't know. Maybe it's just something for you guys to look into, open, open yeah. up your way of thinking and, and, um, expose you to something you might not have known before. But yeah, I certainly, certainly had no idea, man. Pretty crazy hmm. shit. But yeah, anyway, I thought I'd tell you that because it really kind of, relates to what you wanted to talk about a little bit, I think, in a way, because to me, it sounded like shadow people. Because when she yeah. first told me, I'm like, oh, so hallucinations. Oh, you think you see something out of the corner of your eye. And I even, I think I might have mentioned that to her, you know, you see it out of the corner of your eye and she's like, no, they're full blown like people. So it sounded to me a lot like shadow people. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about a little bit. So let me give just a quick recap. We've talked about them, you know, in the past, but mm-hmm. shadow people are basically, basically, basically hallucinations, some say, or others say actual apparitions that appear. They can be blob-like clusters that sometimes have tendrils. Uh, Seen child, it. Oh, shit. Child-sized beings. Seen it. <laughs> sometimes creatures with hoods. Oh, you haven't seen it. No. Nope. <laughs> tall, tall, willowy figures with jack-o'-lantern-sized heads. Seen it. A tall figure with a hat. We'll get to kind of, but I'll get into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of, yeah, that's what we're really going to get into here in a little bit, the hat man. Um, in, in these accounts, the figures typically follow a progression from the ambiguous blobs to finally the tall man, known as the hat man, or actual apparitions that have, you know, full human shapes, sometimes a little bit of, uh, you know, detail. You can sometimes see some facial structure, muscle structure. Um, not so often you see these creatures having glowing red eyes. Uh, witnesses claim to have been attacked, scratched, bruised, or burned by these things. But yeah, shadow beings are basically just something that you may see out of the corner of your eye. You're sitting there watching TV and all of a sudden you just barely catch a glimpse of somebody walking down a hallway. Or a lot of times in sleep paralysis, you'll notice this too. You'll just notice these shadow beings kind of walking up to you or menacingly just kind of dicking around in your room. And um, they're said to move extremely fast. Um, They can travel through solid matter. They typically say that they don't really have mouths or nose. Sometimes you can see glowing eyes. Sometimes you can't. Uh, the forms are usually described somewhat of skeletal or thin. And direct visual contact is pretty rare, although some people have seen them dead on, straight on. But more commonly, these haunts are most likely in the corner of your eye or sometimes even, uh, you know, ladies, when you're getting ready and you might be looking into, you know, a full-sized mirror or maybe a nice little boudoir you might notice um, out of the corner of your eye something run past you behind you in your mirror. And uh, that could be a shadow person too. But anyway, to set the mood, let me just drop this story that I found about shadow people that's kind of interesting. The story goes on to say, and we'll cue some spooky music. This didn't just happen to me, but also to my friend. Together, we rented a room in a nice family's house. The room is pretty much like a large den in their living room, right next to the kitchen. So, 
it took a little time to get to the bathroom. After a week of moving in, around 8 p.m., I decided to shower. It was dark, there were no lights on, and when I barely stepped out of the room, there it was. The shadowy figure. It wasn't a human figure or a creature either, but more like smooth, like someone under thin blankets of fog. They were around five foot eight. As I stood there frozen, it simply glided five feet in front of me and then just disappeared after three or four feet of gliding. I was weirded out, no doubt, but I shrugged it off and I didn't mention it. Days later, I was out and my friend was left alone having breakfast when she suddenly said she felt like somebody was watching her. It turns out that she saw something too. However, she said it was an actual face. Her description was a man with dark curly hair. When she looked over, she had a towel hanging. The man's head would poke out from behind the towel and then pull it back, as if it was trying to annoy her by playing peekaboo. She'd felt actually annoyed by it, but eventually ignored it. Later, she told me about it, and that's when we thought we should ask the owners of the occurrences. We caught up with the mother cooking one afternoon and asked her who the guy was and if she had the same experience too. She told us it was most likely her brother, who died at work from asbestos exposure way back. It made more sense now, I guess. He was checking on us to figure out who the unfamiliar people were who moved into the house. After that, nothing weird ever happened again since our stay. But yeah, I have to say it was pretty fascinating that I got to experience it. So, Presto, let's get a little deeper, and why don't you tell us what you're going to tell us? Yeah. So, listen, I thought I'd talk about Nightmare Demons, and then the big daddy of them all, the Sandman, and then tie that all back together with my own personal experience. And it, it is Halloween, and you know a lot of us are stocking up on scary movies, which means nightmares are soon to follow. So, you, Sean, and the listeners after this episode to be equipped to deal with the scary shit that haunts the night and your <laughs> dreams. And you all can thank me later, or you can thank me now and give me your praise. <laughs> I don't, you know, that's awesome. Hey, side story or side, side question is a Sandman yeah. the same guy as the hat man. We're going to get to that because okay, I cool. believe, I believe it is. Okay. I didn't read um, too far into your notes. I just kind of like just sped read through them to know where to interject. So, okay, cool. Go yeah. Ahead. Yeah. Um, so let's start this journey with the history of the word and then some, you know, Germanic and Polish folklore. So the mare in nightmare is not a female horse. The word doesn't mean night horse. It is not that dead headless horse from the last episode. It's nothing <laughs> horse related. Okay? The horse that got its head punched <laughs> off by Bigfoot. Yeah. Not that horse. Okay. okay. It's in fact a variant of the word Mara which is Anglo-Saxon for an old Nor Norse term for demon that sat on sleeper's chest, causing them to have bad dreams, a.k.a. motherfucking sleep paralysis. So that tale about, you know, the witch sitting on your uh, chest oh, or the God, old, hag. old hag syndrome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's some variants of the word Mara, which are Mar, Mart, Mar, and so forth and so on, blah, blah, blah. Basically, it's all the same word. It just has different spellings. 
Now, in high German, the demon who causes bad dreams is often called an alp, and which is really etymologically related to an elf. It's actual like person. It's tall. It's got pointed ears. And people actually interact with it. So it's not something they just see before having bad dreams. Like they can see this figure walking through towns. Um, there was an actual tale, uh, like a like a Polish tale, that uh, these uh, farmers were out at night with their sheep. And um, they kind of turned because they saw something moving in the corner of the eye. Mm-hmm. And they saw this Alp walking. And he got into a rowboat, floated down the river, and then... You know, they're like, holy shit, that motherfucker just stole her boat. <laughs> and then hours later, rode the boat back, got out and approached them and was like, listen, motherfuckers, let me use your boat or bad shit's going to happen. They're like, well, we don't want to mess with that. So, dude, if you got to use it, use it. <laughs> yeah. And a mare induced bad dream in uh, is called a nightmare in English. A mark to or mare ride in Anglo-Saxon, um, Mardet in Danish, and Alpentom um, in German. And because most people can't control their dreams, you've guessed it, you're simply wrong, along for the ride. Hence, demon ride. So that's why we call it a night, you know, like a nightmare. Oh. Yeah. So a mart rides on sleeping people at night, pressing against them until at last they can no longer breathe, which is something that people complain about during sleep paralysis. They wake up, they feel a pressure on their chest, they can't move, they can't breathe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what's really weird is uh, in Poland, a mart is usually a girl who has a bad foot. Mm -hmm. So one time in a village uh, near Bork, uh, there was a smith who had a daughter with a bad foot, and at that time, an unusually large number of people complained that they were being ridden uh, by a mart and were having bad dreams. So they basically just kind of blamed all their problems on this girl with a broken foot. They're like, it's that bitch, get her! Huh. So, you know, kind of tying back to you know what you are talking about earlier about everybody blaming everything on witches. Mm-hmm. Um, in Poland, they would actually just kind of blame it on a girl with a bad foot. So, like, if you broke your, if you were a female, you broke your leg, kind of screwed. Don't tell anybody because they're going to blame all their bad dreams on you. Hmm. Now, how to how to prepare for having a bad dream? Like, you know, how how can you prepare to you know get rid of this alp? So, people would lay a hackle, which is kind of a comb, um, across their bodies, pressing the points uh, towards them. And but that often ended up going against them because the the alp or the demon would press the sharp points of the comb into him, causing That's what them I was to bleed. Say, it sounds backwards. Like you should take the comb and point it away from you, so little bastards couldn't sit on you. Yeah, well, that's not what they did, all right? <laughs> Another precaution was to turn one's shoes around at the outside of the bed so that the hooks and laces are next to you. But it doesn't say why you should do that. That's just something you should do. <laughs> maybe, um, the, uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe the Alp would put your shoes on before it climbed on top to give you a ride. Yeah. Um, they also said that if you feel the out pressing against you, you can put your thumb into your hand and he'll have to retreat. Huh. Yeah. They also say that you can tell if you've been visited by the out because the next morning your horses will be extremely tired. And that's a sign that the demon was riding the horse in the night. Oh, huh. 
You can also repel the Alp with horse heads, so kind of like in that scene of Godfather where the guy woke up with its capitated horse head in his bed. <laughs> you, yeah. could, you could basically just do that. So maybe that's what Bigfoot was trying to do when he ripped off or, <laughs> right. you know, you know, LaForge's uh, horse head there. There you go. And if you don't move your chair before going to sleep, the mare will ride it during the night. Oh, shit. Yeah. And this one's really great. They like to give people hair snarls or mare braids by sucking on their hair and then braiding it. So they would actually like, you know, basically nibble and like lick people's hair and get it wet with their saliva. And then they would braid it while they were sleeping. Yeah. So when a nurse uh, changes a diaper, she has to do the sign of the cross and uh, over the open corner. Otherwise, the Alp will re-diaper the child um, if she doesn't do all that. <laughs> so these Alps are like wicked bastards. Yeah, they are. Except when it comes to diapering children and then they just show up and they're just like, damn it, I'll just fucking do it myself. Come here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you didn't do it right. <laughs> Now, if all of that seems like a hassle and that's a lot to remember, you can do one of the following charms before bed. Now, this one is an old English ch- a charm, uh, and it's St. George, St. George, our lady's knight. He walketh by day, so did he by night. Until such time as he her found, he her bait, and he her bound. Until her thought she to him plight, she would not come to him that night. Oh. So is she in this, the, the Alp that he just beat the shit out of? Yeah. So, <laughs> fuck old English. So let's try in German. Oh, God. Her lake ich my staffen, kein stuff more plagen, bis nicht schneifert as wasser, da huf in fleiben, und type aus stein, de herfruven eichen, darf hash mein gof weiter, schon duf heit geist. It sounds angry, and I like that. So I think that's the one that we're going to use. Folks, I'd like to point out, I don't know how to speak German, but Preston had at least an 85% accuracy of making the words he read sound the way sound they were right. There were a couple, I think, you ad-libbed in there, but you yeah. did pretty damn good. Pretty so, damn good. <laughs> yeah. Just let it be yeah. known. That was one of your better tips. <laughs> yeah. And that's and that's actually just like basically like that's where we get the Lord's Prayer from. So it's now oh, really? I lay me down to sleep. Yeah, that's that's all it really is. But it sounds oh. more angrier in German. So oh, like, yeah, dude. I just want to walk around the house now and be like, nine, nine, nine. <laughs> but knowing, you know, our track record for pronouncing, you know, foreign languages, you'd be inviting like a bunch of demons into your house. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're probably right. No one said the demon invoking cantation in about four centuries. Look at this dipshit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you're just vaping walking around the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh. so... That was the that was the old timey stuff. So let's do the modern times. Like you know, where do we hear of uh, uh, the Dark Man or the Hat Man or Shadow People? Yeah. And so a quick rundown of like modern times. Um, so the non paranormal rundown of the Dark Man is that it's a dreamlike state, like daydreaming that's mm-hmm. experienced at night. So like when you're in your like REM sleep, um, and kind of like a Freudian explanation of it is the dark man dream is a dream experience when a dark predator is present in one's environment uh-huh. and is a warning that it is about to rob the dreamer of something precious. 
So it's kind of kind of like you know that that person you're hanging out with is going to do you harm or has like evil intention. So subconsciously you're setting yourself up, um, kind of like a precognition to that event. Uh huh. And uh, generally speaking, a dark man experience begins with a dark character suddenly appearing in our dreams in the hypnagogic state. Hypnagogic. Hypnagogic state between waking and sleeping. Um, the darkness might be an aspect of his appearance, such as his skin tone. Uh, so that's why we always see him very dark and shadowy and not a lot of detail. Um, mm-hmm. Or it could be that the atmosphere around him, so he's surrounded by darkness, um, you know, like, uh, you know, like a shadowy background. Oh, he is usually described as disturbing, chilling or frightening. The, when you say a dark man uh, encounter, is a dark man considered the same thing as a shadow man, or is the dark man like a different entity? So the dark man would be more like like the hat man. Okay. Is he something that uh, intrudes dreams or like the real world? Both, Both? but okay. – but in this case, like, you know, the non-paranormal way to explain it, like if you talk to like, a, you know, like a psychologist or something, they're going to tell you that it's it's just your brain producing this as a sign. Like you're, you're trying to process, you know, something dark in your life and this is how your brain is processing it. And because we're all oh. similar in nature as human beings, we've created this dark man or this hat man as like a universal symbol for something bad in our life. Interesting. Okay, so that yeah. makes total sense because the hat man is said to visit people in a lot of cases when they're in a heightened sense of anxiety or trauma or emotional distress, like they're wicked stressed about something or something bad recently happened or they're just a kind of, you know, just worried about something in particular. So that's interesting, dude. I didn't yeah. know that. But that so that could be basically just a physical manifestation of your actual uh emotion. Yeah. And, you know, he usually appears at night. So we talk about the witching hour, like three o'clock in the morning. Um, But he can actually appear at any time. So, you know, mid-afternoon, it's basically when we are like our minds are less distracted and we're able to like daydream and get into that that state. Um, That's when like your brain starts, you know, this is the whole Freudian thing. Like when you're in that state, um, your brain starts to produce these images. Uh, okay, gotcha. So it's that three o'clock witching hour kind of thing again, the high strangeness time, um, the devil's hour that we call it. Yep. And okay. I was I was reading too. What's interesting, you mentioned that you could see the Hat Man, you know, in the daytime hours as well. I was reading that you could see him in daytime hours. However, it still would be common for him to be lurking in dark areas, kind of shrouded in the darkness, like poorly lit rooms hallways, closets, and a lot of times in basements. And a lot of people explain that the reason for that would be he has to be fed by darkness itself. So like shadows and the absence of light is kind of what fuels his existence or gives him power uh, to actually, you know, apparate in front of you. And that goes back to that whole like Freudian take on it because you have that darkness in your life. Mm-hmm. Like that's why your mind's always projecting him in those dark corners. Like that's why he always has that dark atmosphere. Oh, not yeah. because he's feeding off the negativity, but because that you're trying to 
subconsciously project that your own negativity out into the real world, that's where you're going to project that image. Yeah, interesting. So that's kind of that's really fucking neat, dude. Um, yeah. Cuz we talked about, you know, earlier mental health and and the Parkinson's deal and then you brought in the idea that, you know, Freudian and actual manifestations. Could yeah. that explain why you only see him in the corner of your eye because in your brain you oftentimes hide your deepest darkest secrets and your your biggest stresses, you kind of push them off into the farthest corners of your mind. Yeah. Oh boy. You had to go with that. I didn't bring my boots, but this shit got deep. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, I read that, like, basically the guise of the dark man takes, you know, various forms, but it's always according to the perceptions, expectations, and experience of the individual's concern. So a predatory assailant such as intruder, stalker, attacker, murderer, incubus, vampiric seducer, lady killer, um, you know, the devil – uh, death, anything like that, anything that you're, you know, you that fear in your life, mm-hmm. basically, whatever, whatever manifestation that you have. So, like, you know, if you're really obsessed with, you know, vampires or incubuses or things like that, that's what your mind's going to project this dark man as. Oh um, man! So you could wrap that up into the idea of tulpas too, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah. That's so weird because you remember, like, I told that story. Um, back when we lived in El Dorado, so this is like five, six, seven years ago, Shayla had gone on a work trip um, out of the state. And I remember I laid there and I had like the door shut in the bedroom and I heard the front door open up and then shut and the deadbolt relock. And then I heard something walk through the kitchen and then open up the bedroom door, shut the bedroom door, and then like just started fucking around in the room like it laid behind me. It picked up the mm-hmm. sword that I had. That's interesting, dude, because – you know, if you think about it too, poltergeist activity is said to be very common around um, adolescent females, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old when the hormones are raging. And a lot of times that poltergeist activity is kind of just the physical manifestation of their uh, their emotions. Inner angst. Yeah. yeah, angst and everything else. Wow, we. Yeah. This has been <laughs> it's been a fucking doozy. <laughs> mm. Well, a fun fact, man, it's interesting you mentioned that um people can manifest this thing as the devil. Um the hat man actually is supposed to have one true name. And here's a story behind and the reveal of what his name actually might be. A German soldier reported that he once awoke abruptly to see a man made of shadows wearing a trench coat and a wide-brimmed hat surrounded by a dark mist or smoke who was leaning down on top of him. The soldier opened his eyes because he felt a disturbance and he saw the dark man. It leaned back and laughed in kind of a snickering fashion and mumbled, Mmm, almost gotcha. Uh, in German. <laughs> I won't say it in German because I will butcher it. <laughs> but then the cre- you know the creature kind of stood up and it began to walk away, and it, it didn't really walk, though. It glided across the floor towards the doorway, and the soldier kind of cried out, Who the hell are you? What's your name? And it turned around over its shoulder and just said, Scratch. And then it disappeared into the shadows of the hallway and just kind of like exo- uh, absorbed into the darkness. And for all of you who weren't aware, Old Scratch is one of the common names for the devil. Ooh. And so a lot of people think that Scratch could be an actual manifestation of the devil. 
And I, we, we may have taken for granted what people think the hat man looks like. He is a shadow person, oftentimes said to be worn kind of like an uh, – oftentimes said to be wearing an old duster, like a long trench coat, kind of a wide-brimmed hat. Some say a cowboy hat, a bowler hat, just usually a wide-brimmed hat, maybe like the Amish people wear even. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's going to take a – you know, keep that in mind right there. That's a very important description that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, is a very uh, important part of my story at the end, that Amish hat, uh, that wide brim oh, yeah. hat. So, but uh, so Scratch doesn't always show up alone. Um, he's actually been accompanied by a large dark animal, typically a dog or a wolf. And even though he did talk with that German soldier, yeah. Nine times out of ten, he's always silent, and he just seldom, you know, speaks words. Like he's just silent. People will see the dog with the red glowing eyes, and then that's like the end of the encounter. Like he disappears, like waft back into the darkness, oh. and and all of a sudden they're like, "Oh fuck, I can move again." So, <laughs> right. Well, I uh, I know you said that he doesn't say much at all, but I found a weird story of a girl who encountered the old hat man and her story has an interesting bit to do with speaking, but in a different way. And so the girl goes on to say, I saw him at 18 years old in my room after a particularly traumatic experience. I woke up at an incredibly late hour, probably two or 3 AM. The witching hour. I didn't check, but something was off. I was speaking in a language I've never heard before. I was speaking to what I can only describe as a young girl or something with the body type of a young girl, perhaps 14 years old, wearing a dress. I couldn't make her out, her features, but I could make out her eyes and her mouth, which could only be described as sharp-looking, like a human piranha or something. She was whispering something in my ear, and I was replying in a strange language I had never heard before. But it wasn't just like the shadow girl. My dog is snoring now behind. (laughs) But it wasn't just the shadow girl. My bed was surrounded by tall figures, which I could not make out the features of. Perhaps four of them, not counting the girl. They sat motionless and watched me, but the most striking figure was a tall man in a wide-brimmed hat standing in the corner of my room. I could feel as if he was amused. No... More amused than the others, at least. Each time the girl whispered in my ear, I would let out a reply of which I didn't understand, and the man in the hat would be delighted. You'd think that one would be scared of this sort of encounter, but it felt familiar. I felt rather warm as if I was surrounded by old friends or family. Fucking creepy. So, I'm going to lay some hat man... Um, encounters on you <laughs> from psychicexperiences.com. Oh, um, shit. They, they have like, I don't know, like 50 million fucking stories on this, but uh, right. I got a, a couple good creepy ones here. Um, this one was actually posted six months ago from the Untamed Hunters, was the guy's username. Yeah. He said, I, I had visions in the past and they had all been uh, put down to mental health. After researching this, it seems strange. I saw the fig I saw the figure stood in the doorway of my old house and I looked at him. He had a Victorian trench coat 
on with the tails of a Lincoln top hat against his chest as he was waiting for something. He smiled, and all I could notice was the jagged teeth in his bald head. Yeah. Like fucking uh, Jeepers Creepers, man. Jeepers Creepers. Um, this one was posted nine months ago, and uh, GGRC20 uh, username said, I think I was eight or nine when I had this dream of, or a nightmare, as I call it. I woke up screaming for my uh, for my parents, even though my siblings were sleeping in the same room and, as me, and, and I see a tall man wearing all black. His jacket was long, and his hat was black as well as he was standing on the kitchen table. But when my parents came running out of the room, he was gone. They looked outside and claimed, or they looked outside and calmed me down. But recently I had this dream again, and I'm 23. But now this man was watching me sleep. I have no clue why, but it scares the hell out of me. So that 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 idea about him watching you sleep, that's going to come back later on in my part at the end. So okay. keep that in mind. Um, from Shauna20, this was posted nine months ago. I've seen this man so many times as a child. Um, I was in a domestic home and one night I got into bed and he stood there in the corner of my room. He had a long trench coat on. He was tall, very slim. He also had long fingers that uh, longer fingers than normal. He used to come into my room, but every night he would get closer and closer. And one night I was in bed. I was about nine. I was watching a uh, movie and he came up from under my television and stood up. The light from the screen disappeared. He walked toward me and touched my hair, and then after that, I never saw him again. Where he was standing, and it couldn't have been more for maybe a, a couple seconds. I am 21, and I thought I was the only one, so I researched him and found so many stories about him all over the world. Anyways, <laughs> Sheru says, I've seen the same guy. First time ever, I am 24 years old. Uh, it was this morning, around 5 a.m., I woke up, I was lying toward the end of my bed, and I seen this man crisscross sitting in, with a tall hat, just sitting there like he was meditating. It was like he was staring at me. It was like a shadow, and I know he was there. I don't remember what I said, but it was along the lines of leave, I th or at least I think that's what I said. I was shocked because I knew I wasn't asleep. I prayed for a few seconds, and then he disappeared, and then that's when I finally passed out. Oh, fuck that noise. Yeah. So those are just kind of some classic uh, encounters or what we would call dark man experiences. Uh -huh. And uh, you said that you found uh, a Native American equivalent. So I'm going to let you talk about that. Yeah. So I found um, just in kind of researching a little bit um, last night because I wanted to add a little bit more to this. So the Native American equivalency to the hat man is something that they call walking Sam, old walking Sam. And I'm going to kind of read out of this actual article a little bit. The boogeyman, the tall man, the gentleman, the Babadook, the slender man, and the hat man. Now we also have walking Sam. He has haunted us in various fictional forms for centuries, but now the spectral figure of traditional folklore and modern urban legends may be having a very real impact on teens' lives. An increasing number of suicides are occurring on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota, and they're being attributed to Walking Sam. 
from December to May of 2015, a staggering 103 suicide attempts occurred on the reservation, home to the Oglala Lakota subtribe of the Sioux Native Americans. Of these attempts, nine people between the ages of 12 and 24 have died. One witness accounts alleges that the number of attempted suicides was as high as 241 over a three-month period. The Oglala Sioux Tribe Vice President Thomas Porbear told the Associated... Ogallala. What now? It's pronounced Ogallala. Oh, well, it's just, it's O-G-L-A-L-A. I just, Ogallala. Ogallala? Yeah. Isn't Ogallala or Ogilala the fucking title of the new album by Chubby Corgan? Uh, maybe, but it's also the it's uh, the the national aquifer. So it's like it's what it, it produces all the fresh water for the United States. So it's like this giant underground like lake, and so that region where it sets it's the Ogallala Aquifer. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah. Well, the tribe vice president Thomas Porbear told the Associated Press that he recently discovered a slew of recent Facebook posts of an ominous display of nooses being hung from trees. In February, Poor Bear said a parent came to him with an alarming Facebook post, nooses hanging from trees near Porcupine, a community of about 1,000 people. Tribal police later took down the four nooses that were hanging, apparently left there as an invitation, but could not determine who was responsible. The New York Times elaborated on this incident, noting that local pastor John Tubols, that's bulls, guys, not balls, that's bulls, <laughs> was tipped off to a group of suicides planned in a wooded area outside the town of Pine Ridge. After racing to the location, he and other adults found and removed the nooses and counseled teenagers who had assembled at the spot before anybody could make an attempt. So it sounded like a group uh, suicide pact. Gosh. The Associated Press also reported that teachers recently foiled a plan by several high school girls to take their lives simultaneously. Multiple reports on the rash of suicide attempts have cited folkloric elements as contributing factors in these incidents. One reservation minister, Chris Carey, described the presence of a tall man spirit to the Times who was appearing to all these kids and telling them to kill themselves. Agalala Sioux Tribe President John Yellowbird Steele stated that many Sioux believe in entities like a suicide spirit similar to the Slender Man. Another minister, Reverend Ron Hutchcraft, who is based out of Arkansas, or as, presence, <laughs> as Preston calls it, Arkansas. Yeah, yeah, the Arkansas. <laughs> described the phenomenon to the Mission Network News as the shadow people or dark people. He says, there are spirit beings, demonic beings, that are stalking the reservation and convincing the young people that they are not worth, that they are worth nothing and that they have started this cloud of death over the reservation. Now, Walking Sam is not a new phenomenon. Last year, a Reddit user posted in the subreddit, I can't draw, I can draw that, requesting an image of what they described Walking Sam, a slender man counterpart who loomed over their area at Pine Ridge to look like. On my latest trip to the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota, I kept hearing stories of a man who would roam the streets at night. Some locals claim to see him, but I can't find anything or anywhere on the man. 
here are some of the details of this guy. It's kind of scary. Walking Sam purportedly looks to be seven foot tall, lean figure, no mouth, and he carries the bodies of Lakota men and women off of his arms. It's said that he wears a long duster similar to that of the hat man, and if he outstretches his arms, kind of you know, in a human cross shape, nooses fall from his arms, and from the nooses are the hanging bodies of men and women from the tribe, and they just kind of drag behind him. People believe he is sent to the earth as a punishment and is just looking for company. So like a fallen angel or an evil spirit who's been damned back to the earth. Of course, the descriptions of Walking Sam are rooted in century-old mythology and folklore. Um, the most obvious source for the tall man is the boogeyman who is often described as a spectral, lanky figure dressed in black who steals bad children away. The boogeyman has found popularity recently in the Slender Man mythos, a creature so compelling that last year several teens committed assault. And that goes on. That's talking about the Slender Man attempted murder. Um, Slender Man was made back in 2008. The Tall Man, however, from the Phantasm movie, was brought into pop culture in 1979. But you have folklore from the Germans about the creature they call Der Grobmann. Um, that was from centuries before that, or at least decades before yeah. that. So, um, But it says here, long before any of that, people of the Dakota and Lakota tribes have exchanged stories about Walking Sam. In these tales, he goes by multiple different names, including Stovepipe Hat Bigfoot, and also simply Big Man. And then there's a medicine man named Ogallala Lakota Medicine Man. Oh, <laughs> That's a, that's a long name, isn't it? <laughs> Here's an account of him by Ogilala, Lakota medicine man Pete Catches, taking from his book, 1983, The Spirit in Fucking Hell, in The Spirit of Crazy Horse. There is your big man standing there, ever waiting, ever present, like the coming of a new day. He is both spirit and real being. But he can also glide through the forest like a moose with big antlers, as though the trees weren't there. I know him as my brother. I want him to touch me. Just a touch. A blessing. Something I could bring home to my sons and grandchildren. That I was there. That I approached him, and he touched me. Many in the community have linked several appearances of Walking Sam to teens taking their own lives. In 2009, Walking Sam was alleged to have been spotted in Pine Ridge community again, which coincided with the occurrence of multiple teen suicides. A blogger by the name of Mike Crowley described attending a meeting of the tribal council at the Cheyenne River Sioux Reservation, where a tribeswoman asked government officials for help in dealing with Walking Sam. He says, One local woman who left before I could talk to her personally asked Washington for help in dealing with Walking Sam. The woman, who was elderly but otherwise quite lucid, described Walking Sam as a big man in a tall hat who appeared around the reservation and caused young people to commit suicide. She said that Walking Sam has been picked up by the police scanners, but the police have not been able to protect the community from him. She described him as a bad spirit, 
she wanted help from Washington with foot patrols for the tribal communities to protect them from walking Sam. That just sounds so creepy, man. So it goes on to say that many books and spooky stories have described the big man um, as a spirit. It sounds more like a protector of the forest than the god of death. It's part terror, part Totoro. As a supernatural entity, he has tied the land, and the land has a very real impact on the lives of the Lakota. So, you know, we talked about these ideas of ghosts and and shadow people and mental illness and everything else and how the two are actually really tied quite closely. Um, I went on to look more, and this article does a really great job of kind of giving me the answers I wanted to find. Um, unfortunately, if you take the supernatural element out of this and you just look at it, that is a lot, uh, unfortunately, a lot of suicide attempts by a lot of younger people. And you got to ask yourself, why exactly is this going on and what could possibly be pushing them to this outside of, you know, a slender man with a fucking stovepipe hat? And so if you look at this, the Pine Ridge area encompasses a portion of the famous uh, South Dakota Badlands. Um, in this area, there's it's really hard to get clean water. Um, money uh, is kind of hard to come by. There are devastating poverty levels. Um, a lot of your small towns sell alcohol to the community members, so a lot of young people, unfortunately, develop alcoholism at an early age. Um, financial aid, aid is available, but it's kind of low. And then because, unfortunately, you know, your Native Americans, a lot of them are dark-skinned, you have a lot – of bullying going on. You have a lot of racism and a lot of all in all just shitty, shitty times for these people. Um, Lakota children are reportedly being placed into foster care at alarmingly high rates, um, somehow allegedly in violation of the Indian Child Welfare Act. The infant mortality rate is five times higher than the national average. The rate of sexual assault is two times higher than the average. And then, of course, life expectancy is low as it is, being 48 years old for men and 52 for women. That's the lowest rate in the Western Hemisphere outside of Haiti is what it says. So it's it's really sad and it's really shitty that basically outside of this entity, you know, coaxing these people to commit suicide – you just got a lot of kids who are being, you know, attacked on the street. People are getting beer doused on them. They're taking these racial slurs from neighboring towns and everything else. They're being bullied. They're being called filthy Indians as they go through, you know, like public areas outside of the actual reservation. So it's it's no wonder why these people feel the way they feel and they're down and they're depressed as it is. I mean, if you're facing racism on the daily and everything else, it's got to be just a really hard time to, you know, go through as it is. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of the story of Walking Sam. It's really intense. And I think it's an important time real quick, guys. Um, we do take this kind of stuff seriously, so we will drop right now. Um, if you ever experience feelings or inclinations towards ending your own life, please do not hesitate to reach out to the National Su- Luna, my dog is snoring again. Don't hesitate to reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Again, one 800 273 
888-888-8255. They offer a free online chatting service also that goes for 24-7. So guys, just uh, take a note of that and uh, you know, reach out. You definitely are worth fighting for. So Presto, what else do you have on that? And is your mic still muted? Oh, yeah, it was. Sorry. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's it's interesting that you brought all that up. Um, and I'm glad that you did because it does tie in with the last part of what I have. Uh-huh. But, you know, you had mentioned that, you know, if you take away the paranormal aspect of it and, you know, basically it's really just kind of shitty li- living conditions. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of negativity, a lot of racism, all these bad things. But if you bring the paranormal back into it, that that is the perfect environment for these these entities because they are like you know parasites they feed off negativity mm-hmm. they induce negativity so they keep you in that state of sadness depression and things like that because that's that's how they feed right so you know if everything was all like you know rainbows and gun drops they they wouldn't be able to survive and so they they have to keep people in that perpetual state so that they can survive it's kind of like ouija boards they always say that ouija boards and you know work better if you're depressed or sad and also you know exor exorcisms possessions highly uh go hand in hand with people who are distressed uh, mentally and emotionally and you know some psychics will say um that depending on what type of spirit it is, what type of entity it is, once they're inside of you, they cannot leave until either, you know, they wither your body away until you just die from natural causes. Right. Or they force you to, you know, do an act like committing suicide yeah, because right. then, then they're able to leave that shell or that body. Now, um, I don't really like her all that much. And I think the show's kind of cheesy, but uh, the uh, Dead Files, you know, the one that has uh, psychic Amy Allen and then her, like, you know, Chicago police detective. Oh, the, yeah. He's like the fucking typical uh, tough-as-nails ex-detective. Yeah. And, yeah, I've watched that show a couple times. Well, you know, so she she stated several times that her belief that shadow people – are interdimensional entities that fall on the side of evil, you know, time and time again. So she uses the phrase interdimensional beings. Now, I came across this book called Sisters of Darkness, The Chronicles of a Modern Exorcist from um, author R.H. Stavis. And she's an actual modern day exorcist that lives in like L.A. And she kind of, you know, describes how she has been able to see things her whole entire life. And mm-hmm. so there's numerous and maybe this is a book that we should get like later on down the line because there's chapter after chapter. There's like these weird Furby creatures. Um, you know, <laughs> there, there are uh, like what she calls like the Clives because they they look like um, something out of like a Clive Barker novel. Oh, like a Cenobite. Um, yeah, like Cenobites. And she says, like, so somebody who's been um, sexually assaulted or somebody who has, like, a porn addiction um, attracts what she calls wraiths. Um, and they, they look, you know, they look like if you Google, you know, a wraith, um, you know, a, a male is going to attract a female wraith, uh, a, a female is going to attract a male wraith. And so, you know, the descriptions are pretty spot on. So there's all these different entities, uh, realm walkers, things like that. Mm-hmm. 
And she goes on to talk about Sandman. And she says that Sandman focuses not on just one person, but people, like a large area, city blocks, buildings, even an entire town. So when as many people as possible are asleep, the Sandman begins to pull energy from everyone under his web. So there's like this dark, wispy, tendril-like spider webbing that's over everything. Hmm. And the less energy each person has, the lower their frequency is, and then they begin having nightmares. Um, they're detailed dreams that leave you feeling spent. When And then when you wake, you're just drained, like emotionally, physically, you're just worn out. And he's described as wearing all black with a hat, like a, a long brimmed hat, and reminds pe- people of the Quaker Oatman. And <laughs> so most people who experience Hatman, you know, like that earlier story of, you know, that kid who said, like, you know, he was really interesting in watching me sleep or he's, you know, I felt like he was controlling my nightmares and things like that. All of those stories kind of tie back into this one entity um, that she talks about called the Sandman. So I kind of want to relate this back to my own personal story. And, you know, throughout my childhood, I've experienced sleep paralysis. I've seen numerous types of, you know, shadow people. Um, You know, I've even waken up to see like a weird Doberman pincher wolf dog coming out of the ceiling. Um, You know, we both experience astral spiders and things like that. Mm Mm-hmm. And when I first moved into this house, so I bought this house, uh, you know, 2016, like February, had moved in. And um, when I would wake at night, um, I would be under a light paralysis where, like, I didn't feel anything heavy on my chest, but, you know, I, I couldn't really move. But I would see this wispy black smoke tendril like thing just floating across the ceiling. And that's something that, you know, I've never really seen before. And that would go on for months and months and months. And then um, when Jeffrey, right before she started to move in, she would come over and, you know, she would stay the night. And um, on the nights that she brought Addie with her, um, she would say that she just, you know, always felt panicky. Um, She would hear like heavy breathing and she just had this heavy sense of fear, like something was wrong, like somebody was watching her, somebody was watching Addie and she just couldn't get a good night's sleep. And like I was having like these really bad like dreams and like I would just kind of wake up and feel really depressed and I'm like, hey, honey, you know, I had a bad dream last night. Mm -hmm. So then um, we went you know, or the group of us went out of town in Kansas City to go on um, a um, what was it the the timber challenge or whatever? Yeah, one of um, the Yeti races. Yeah, yeah. And I said, you know, hey, I, I just picked up Bruce, so this would have been like May, May or July, mm-hmm. end of May, beginning mm-hmm. of July. And uh, I said, hey, why don't you watch Bruce? And um, Bruce is a really great dog, but he, he has like this this need to always want to look out a window. So if you're not watching him, um, if you go outside and don't take him with you, he will pull down blinds so that he can look out the window. And um, he had torn off Blake's blinds like four or five times. And I got to the point where like, dude, these are $30 blinds and I'm tired <laughs> of replacing these fucking things. You bastard dog. Yeah. You bastard dog. So there was a couple months where, um, Blake's window was just open. Cause you know, he's only here, you know, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So I'm just like, eh, it'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember she, that. Yeah. 
so she's outside pissing brews and um, wait, hang on, let's back up. You should word that differently, maybe. (laughs) 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 Picture her urinating on your dog, and it's not something that we should all imagine. So she was outside watching Bruce go potty. She was allowing him to go to the bathroom for me. So what you should say is she took the dog out. She took the dog out. (laughs) And uh, because uh, Blake's room didn't have any blinds and his door was open, you could see into our hallway. Um, Yeah. There's like a clear line of sight. So she's outside watching Bruce and um, she just got this sensation like, you know, somebody's watching me. So she kind of notices that there's out of the corner of her eye that there's somebody in the hallway. Mm -hmm. And so she turns and looks and there's a man that she described as like like an Amish man. Like he was in a black coat. He had a black Amish style hat on and she just panicked and was like, holy shit. And then she kind of did a double take. And when she kind of looked back, he, he was gone. He was no longer there. So when I came across, when I came across this story about, you know, this, um, Amish style Quaker Sandman, you know, it really hit home because, you know, they, they talk Rachel or whatever her name, Stavis talks about how he's, you know, he uses these spider like tendrils to envelop the neighborhood and people start having these bad dreams and it's not malicious. It's because he, that's how he survives as an entity in this dimension. He survives off that negativity. So the only way that he can continue on living in this existence is to force us to have bad dreams. And if you, if you look at all those stories that we've told throughout this episode, you know, the Alp, uh, the, the creature, the idea of somebody, somebody giving you nightmares, um, it all comes back to this individual who is seen as wearing a black hat, you know, black trench coat, and he's always seen at night. And so I, I think that, uh, you know, the hat man is really just, you know, what we would call the sand man. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I, re- I remember the whole thing about the blinds and all that. And then. I don't know if I remember the story about her seeing that. or Did Blake ever complain about seeing somebody outside? No. Um, the Like, the only two people that have really seen anything in this house has either been me with, you know, waking up and seeing that smoky tendril um, yeah. or just her. But, you know, that's the thing. Like, all of those bad dreams and that feeling of being, you know, basically spent, like waking up and just not having any, any energy uh-huh. was only within that four or five month period of when I bought the house, when she saw that that figure standing in the hallway. And then, you know, like a month or two after that, it all just kind of disappeared. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what she talks about in the book about how he just kind of moves around from city to city, corner to corner, mm-hmm. targeting large groups of people because he needs that negative energy. He so. just needs, okay, kind of like the, uh, kind of like the ectoplasm underneath New York and, and Ghostbusters too. Yeah. <laughs> it needs yeah, that negativity, it's, it's, huh? It's all that's you know it's like a it's like a symbiote you know it's like a parasitic <laughs> we're it's like that symbiotic relationship yeah gotcha how long was it after you moved into that place that we started doing the podcast do you recall um it would have been right around May so it would have been I moved in February so uh, about two and a half months that we started doing this okay, podcast I was say because so. if he quit stocking your house 
right around the time we started to record the podcast, it's probably because he's like, you know what? Fuck this guy. He's into some yeah. weird shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not going to get negativity off this motherfucker. Yeah. Well, it's time to get the hell out of Dodge. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I I don't know if I ever shared the story about me seeing the Hat Man on the on the uh, on the show before. I'll share it because it's kind of a short story, but. It's interesting to me because um, Shayla and I had gone to, I think, Omaha, Nebraska, because she had some hair show coming up that she was going to, and I was able to get the weekend off, and we're like, you know, screw it. It's a it's a free hotel room, and no one's going to know I'm there. So I decided to go with her, and I thought it'd be a great time for me just to kind of just kick around Omaha and just, you know, just investigate. I heard they had like a cool arcade and some other cool shit. So I was just going to tag along with her and just go mess around and uh, stuff like that. And it, it was like 2012, uh, September. Okay. Actually I can give you the fucking date. September 16th, 2012. This happened. Um, so anyway, I drop her off. We get there, we get to the hotel. I drop her off at the hair show and I go and I, think I'm just going to run around town and just get into all sorts of trouble. So I immediately Google like the nearest location for like um, a Barnes and Noble. Cause I'm like, okay, my backup plan, worst case, I'm going to go sit at Barnes and Noble and read for like five hours while she's in her hair show. So I find the Barnes and Noble and it's been closed for like six months. They shut it down. Um, I thought, okay, great. There's a Toys R Us. I'll just go peruse Toys R Us. The Toys R Us, like three miles away, was shut down. Long story short, everything I thought I could go do to kill four or five hours was shut down in Omaha in this area that we were staying. So I was really pissed and bummed out to the point where I just said, screw it all. I've got three hours left. I've just wasted two hours and a ton of gas driving around this crappy town. No offense to Omaha guys at all. I just, everything I tried to do that day was just closed. And so I was just like, screw it. I'm going to go back to the hotel room and just take a nap. So I go up to the room, you know, like Donald Duck and just kind of, you know, skulk around the room, uh, take my clothes off, hop into bed. And I just say, screw it. I'm not even going to take my contacts out. I'm just going to take a quick nap, set my alarm for two hours. And I laid down and I, I slept pretty solid, but I remember all of a sudden waking up and I'm laying on my stomach, but, and my head's kind of like, I'm, uh, my face is on laying on my left side of my face and I'm looking at the door of the hotel room. And all of a sudden, I just hear like a weird like buzzing noise, almost like a bunch of bees mixed with like static, like TV static. And then all of a sudden, this form kind of appears in front of me, and it's like a silhouette, a dark, shadowy, staticky silhouette of a man with a top hat – or not a top hat, but like kind of like an Amish, like Uncle Ben hat, like a big, wide-brimmed hat – And I'm just sitting there watching this thing. And then all of a sudden I realized like I am just stone cold frozen. I can't move my hands, my feet. I can't sit up. I'm just kind of whimpering, trying to like, you know, say something. And the thing's looking at me and the buzzing gets louder and louder and it starts to get closer and closer. And I can't recall if it walked or it glided or what, but it got really close to the bed. And I just remember I almost was able to scream because I didn't know what to do. This thing's just sitting there staring at me. And then I passed out. And the next thing I know, I remember waking up and my alarm's going off. And, you know, I'm by myself. 
But it's funny. I didn't know about the whole um, high emotional state kind of thing whenever it visits. Yeah. I was in a pretty shitty mood that day. So maybe that's what led this thing to come on is just me. And you're in a hotel. So, I mean, that's like more victims right there. <laughs> yeah, so. that's true. I don't even think about that. Fuck. Yeah. Ooh, gross. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe. Maybe this thing was just stalking the hotel and there's tons of guests and shitty moods because we all figured out that Barnes & Noble closed. But, yeah, I just remember that was just something very – I don't think I've ever seen a, a hat creature before, a hat man. But I just remember that day, man. It just freaked me right the hell out. And I was in a bit of a mess for a couple hours after that, just like kind of looking over my shoulder and kind of spooked. But – well, you got anything else today on the Shadow People, or did we pretty well cover what we went to cover? No, I think uh, I think we covered it all, really. So you know, you know, every time we th- we think it's going to be a quick episode, where we're like, dude, this is going to be like forty minutes. <laughs> yeah, we end up giving you listeners like a two hour, two and a half hour Bigfoot episode. We're giving Gosh, you like yeah. an hour and a half of Shadow People, and it's all for free out of the kindness of our paranormal hearts. There you go. Yeah, that uh, I'm getting getting a lot of love on the Bigfoot episode. That thing was uh, definitely a labor of love. We recorded two separate days for that, and I'm pretty pleased with how it turned out. So pretty good time. Well, it's Halloween. Do you have just a couple movies you might uh, recommend for people to watch? Is there anything spooky you're watching at the moment that you wish people would watch with you? So three things that you can watch on Netflix right now. The Haunting of Hill House. Oh, uh, God, dude. Yeah. So amazing. Good. Yeah. Binge it, watch it, enjoy it. Um, I discovered these other two jewels the other day just because I needed something to do. And uh, one is called The Apostle. Okay. And uh, it has uh, the Martin Freeman in it. Uh, so the guy that played in the Underworld series as Lucius the Werewolf. And, <laughs> yeah. Um. It it takes place on an island and um and it revolves around like this cult and I, I can't say anything more about it because it'll give it away but um it's like early 1900s um isolated island you have a religious cult fucking phenomenal like took me for a spin um watch it and then the other one is a uh I, I told you Russian, but um I was actually wrong. It's a Basque uh film, uh which is a little kind of country in between Spain and France. And it's called uh Emitre, uh The Blacksmith and the Devil. Mm-hmm. Pretty fucking good. Um the dubbing's off in spots um because it's ac- actually, you know, filmed in the Basque language. Um, but, uh, you know, it's got English dub to it. Um, pretty fucking good. Not as scary as the apostle, but it's still creepy. Check it out. You'll enjoy both of them. Oh yeah. Now, are you talking about the same Martin Freeman who played in like, uh, the Hobbit and everything else? Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. I didn't know he played a werewolf. Yeah. He uh, played Lucian in, uh, two or three of the underworld, um, Movies. The guy who played Bilbo. Uh, hold on. <laughs> Maybe there's two he, Martin Freemans. He was in. He played. Um, that's not Martin. Uh, hold Dan on. Stevens. 
Hold on, hold on, hold on. I might have got the name wrong. <laughs> I was just thinking like I did, Martin I Freeman. Did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's try uh let's try uh Michael Sheen. <laughs> 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 who was who was also in Lord of the Rings um, or The Hobbit. He was oh in The my Hobbit. God, that's amazing. Okay, so you weren't yeah. far off. You're in the same nerd realm. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah, funny. I was in the I was in the same nerd that's realm. That's too there. good. Hell yeah, man. That's so. awesome. Well, um yeah, I'm going to piggyback on what you said. Definitely, guys, watch The Haunting of Hill House. Um, we're only halfway through. We just finished episode 5, but it's pretty good so far. I really like the way they're handling, you know, telling a ghost story and the, the the things and devices that they have that they're using in there are really great as far as like storytelling and everything. So pretty fantastic. And I don't think you've seen it yet, but um, Shayla and I went out. I know Steve has saw it. Um, the new Halloween sequel is pretty great. Is it? Yeah, it's it's yeah, pretty wonderful. I was very very pleased with it. A couple things I could pick apart. Uh, maybe we'll talk about it after you've seen it and chat okay. about it a little bit, but. Yeah, has some pretty awesome stuff. So, Hales, yeah. And check out The Ritual. Um, check out The Ritual on Netflix. It's about a group of guys that take a, like a backpacking camping trip uh, in the woods and chaos ensues. It's a really great Netflix original. Check out The Babysitter. That's a hell of a lot of fun for a, kind of a cool slasher film. There's been Oh, some- I forgot. Uh, as a... Uh- as Above, So Below is on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little found footage film that came out a couple yeah, of years ago. Pretty good. pretty good. For a found footage, it was pretty solid. Yeah. Hell yeah, definitely. Cool, man. Cool, cool, cool. Tight, tight, tight. Well, um, I'll mention briefly, too, um, coming up on the October 30th and October 31st, um, we're doing our 25-hour Gameathon for um, Extra Life and Raising Money for Children's Miracle Network. So we're going to start plugging that pretty heavy on all the social medias. Um, don't feel obligated. We're not begging. But if you could maybe at least share uh, the links that we post, maybe we can at least get some publicity from it. Mm-hmm. If you can throw a couple shillings our way, it's much appreciated. If not, not a problem, guys. Um, but yeah, check that out. If you're into gaming, we're going to try to have a loose schedule up of what we're going to be playing. If you want to drop in and watch us, we'll be um, streaming that live for free for the whole duration of the uh, event as well. So it'll be a lot of fun. And uh, Presto, you got anything you want to plug? Yeah. So if one thing we might have learned or we can conclude at the from this episode is if the hat man needed a beard, wanted to grow a beard... <laughs> Not only would he use Big Dobbs beard bomb, but he would fucking rock that Abe Lincoln beard. And I'm assuming he would probably rock the sweet tobacco bomb in his beard. So if you want to be like Hatman and you want to have a luscious, gorgeous, nice smelling man bush, check out BigDobbsBeardBomb.com. You know, man bush could also be used to describe pubes. Well, that, that also, you know, could be considered a dick beard. We, <laughs> and that might be all you have. If you pissed off some kind of witch recently and she glamored your dick, all you may have to show for it is just a nice bushy man beard. So, and you know what? He's never said you couldn't use that in your pubes. I don't think you'd yeah. want to because it sounds like a slippery mess. But you know what? 
It would smell good, and it would look luscious. <laughs> it would look luscious. There we go. Maybe he's never thought of that. Maybe he'll <laughs> change his mind on ever having anything to do with this. Uh, much love to Big Dobbs Beard Bomb. And, guys, go to his website, bigdobsbeardbomb.com, and check out promo code PXLPARA, and you'll get 20% off the entire order. And he's got some pretty phenomenal stuff. Presto, what's my favorite race car podcast? Sports Cars Unleashed. Boom shakalaka. And then also check out Mark's solo cast, Pixelated Sausage. He's got a lot of really great stuff that he does on there. And ooh, a door shut. Creepy disembodied <laughs> door shut sound effect. Yeah, check that out. Um, he's got a lot of really good stuff on there, too. So, all right, let's do it, man. I'm going to be, uh, yeah, let's do a 45-minute episode, something short and sweet. And then there's an extra hour <laughs> tacked on there, practically. So. <laughs> Hell, yeah. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening, and we will catch you guys all uh, the week after Halloween. Thank you so much. Peace. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. You have two ways. One, email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, we have that set up too. Dial us at 707-523-4263. Again, that's 707-523-4263. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.